0: Welcome to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech. I'm Jude Jennison, the host of this podcast, and I'm the founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I work with senior leadership teams to help them align through behavioural change. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the intersection between technology, humanity and leadership, and looking at how we use technology to be more human and increase emotional connection, and enhance the way that we live and work. I'll be interviewing leaders from technology businesses who are at the forefront of changing how we live and work. You will not want to miss this. Some of the conversations have been enlightening and inspiring, and I hope you enjoy them as much as I have done. Dr Asha Patel is the CEO of Innovating Minds, a business specialising in mental health service provision. Asha leads a team of clinical psychologists to deliver therapy training and consultation to help people access education, training and employment. She explains how technology has enabled her to expand the provision of mental health services to children who are victims of domestic abuse amongst others. And we discuss how technology can have either a positive or a negative impact on our mental health and therefore we need to be mindful of how we use it. Have a listen. Hi Asha, thanks for joining me today. Hi Jude, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Um, can you tell us who you are and what you do, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Dr Asha Patel. I'm trained as a clinical psychologist. and am the founder of Innovating Minds, which supports uh, young people and schools to create mentally healthy environments. With our surplus income as a social enterprise, uh, we also support children impacted by
0: domestic abuse. So lots of, uh, already I have tons of questions for you. What what are some of the, well, no, let me start by saying, how did you get into setting up your business? So
1: from a young age, so from about the age of 12, actually, I was involved in my family's business and my dad's business, uh, which was uh, in a warehouse. Uh, We delivered goods to local convenience stores. um, And I used to help with that. And as I grew older, uh, I used to do a lot in the family business alongside my education. So I really enjoyed the business part, uh, but I didn't enjoy kind of selling alcohol, uh, cigs, toiletries, that type of thing, it was always about the bottom line. But I read a book called Paul, uh, by Paul Britton, The Jigsaw Man, and I was so fascinated in actually forensic mental health. So I used to want to be a profiler uh, for criminals. So I went off to uni to study psychology and criminology Um, and along that journey, I uh, became a psychologist, uh, a clinical psychologist working with high profile murderers and sex offenders. And within about 12 to 18 months, I started to notice that a lot of their stories were about childhood difficulties. And I was probably working with them when it was too late. Uh, So a lot of my job was about assessing risk. Are they safe to be in the public? Can we rehabilitate them? Can they be stepped down into less secure environments? So I had the idea of uh, Innovating Minds to use the model we used in healthcare, a therapeutic model, and transfer it into the educational sector. So to change the culture within schools, So children could access early intervention. So the mental health didn't deteriorate to a point of exclusion. Um, So that's what I did. I just went with an idea, had the idea a year before, but just didn't have the confidence to take that leap of faith. And actually I quite enjoyed that stable job and do my job nine to five, going home, um, having a regular income Um, and I sold my house and the house I was gonna buy fell through. So I decided to invest some money in myself see what happened for a year if it didn't work I thought i would just go back into a job uh, and here I am nearly five years later
0: wow what a story so in terms of what what your business does Innovating Minds t- tell me like what does a what does a day look like a day in the life of Innovating Minds
1: so um More recently, because of COVID, my day uh, is filled with uh, a project coordinator job, an admin job, marketing, uh, finance, so I've been juggling quite a lot recently because of the uh, unexpected, I guess, increase uh, in need for our services, Um, so we haven't been able to recruit fast enough, uh, and it's also tested our systems. So a lot of the team at the moment, uh, some are uh, started face-to-face work uh, with delivering therapy. So we offer a programme for people that are at risk of being unemployed or who are unemployed. They've got low level mental health difficulties. So they're working uh, across some geographical areas to um, support them uh, access work again. Um, A lot of my other team members are liaising with schools trying to find out what they need and whether uh, the products and services that we offer uh, is a good match for them. We're also offering lots of free training as well at the moment, so webinars. Uh, There's been a spike in child-to-parent violence and domestic abuse. Um, So we're supporting a lot of um, people in school settings, in healthcare settings, in community settings, uh, understand more about um, those things and what they can do so our day is varied uh, and yeah, pressured by lots of different things going on.
0: Yeah. So obviously you're in the you're in the business of mental health. And I'm I'm wanting to understand your view, both your personal and your professional opinion around the impact of technology on our mental health.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And it's something that actually I've personally uh, clinically battled with. So probably about two years ago, we reached a point where I couldn't recruit enough psychologists or enough psychologists that could uh, do the work that we was getting contracted for. And I was toying with the idea of digitalizing our services and kind of thought, I parked it because I thought there's no way technology can replace face-to-face, uh, and the nature of our work and people's mental health. It needs to be done in person. Um, but as time progressed and people was asking for more, what we found actually people were more open to the idea, um, and I think it's all about balance. Um, so we wrote an article for um, Virgin Flight magazine. And basically it was all about screen time and this balance and particularly with children and for adults of screen time can be good. It can be helpful. There's lots of good resources online. Uh, Some are free to access some people are paying for them. Actually it's helping them sleep or it's helping them to do mindfulness or it's helping them to access, um, self-help. So, we've actually found there's there's quite a split and I think it depends on you as a person to understand your relationship with technology. So personally for me, when I set up Innovating Minds, I had a really bad relationship with social media and my phone. I used to wake up in the middle of the night to check my Twitter and my emails and kind of try and do it on the sly, so that type of thing. So I think it really depends on on how disciplined you are, but also it can be as a leader as well. It can be quite easy and tempting to just have, just to have a look. And particularly when you're a startup, there's a lot going on, you're managing everything yourself, um, your relationship with technology can become quite unhealthy, which then starts to impact, uh, your mood. So I noticed it was impacting my mood, it impacts relationships because you're not really paying attention to those around you. Um, So it starts to, this little device can easily then start to take over uh, other things. So I noticed when I was cooking, I was on my phone. So you're not mindfully doing one thing Mm -hmm. at one time. Um, So, and I think things like emails and the automation process, uh, as we've digitalized our service, that automation process actually started to impact me more because everything was so there instantly. And you used to, I think now, as customers, consumers, uh, generally in society, technology has given things so instantly. Mm. So my patience now—it's like, well, I, I want it now. I want it yesterday, uh, because we're so used to being able to access information or apps or whatever it is, book things online so quickly, um, things like Amazon and stuff like that. So. I think it changes our own habits as well and our expectations. And that's where that's getting that fine balance between technology being good for your mental health, but also it can be quite detrimental as well. Um,
0: clinically... Do you, do you think when, when we first started using... I mean, obviously we've used technology for years, but it's grown exponential in, in its use in the last five to 10, hasn't it? Do, do you think it's come up upon us without us realising that it it can be almost addictive can't it and and our behavior then becomes addictive and and yet we haven't always uh, everyone knows that drugs are addictive and alcohol is addictive and gambling is addictive so we we understand the risks around those things whereas with technology it was initially designed to make our lives easier and And it's turned into something that is driving us rather than us driving it. Does does it require a more conscious behaviour from us as human beings now to interact with it on a more conscious level so that we're we're in control of how we use it? It's
1: really interesting. And I, I guess there's two things here. People only make products, develop products based on customer needs and kind of, so you see a lot of apps that are built in, um, rewards or make it all flashy and colorful. So it engages you. So they're also the marketing of it is quite enticing, uh, to do that, but probably yes, we didn't really truly understand what technology would do later down, uh, to people's mental health. Is that because there wasn't much awareness or there's a lot of stigma and mental health wasn't really looked at? It wasn't treated the same as physical health difficulties. Mm. What we know with drugs and alcohol is the impact it has on your physical health. And it is quite uh, in your face when you've got uh, an alcohol problem, drug addiction, you can clearly physically see the impact. And yes, there's an emotional component driving it. But what people first see is that physical state. Mm. Mm. Whereas technology, because it's meant it can impact your mental health, you still look the same. Nobody would know that I was waking up at night and checking my social media. Mm. Nobody would know that throughout the day. So I think us as society, because we, we haven't paid uh, attention to mental health, it's always come secondary. Uh, it's trying to increase now. Um, so people are starting to come more aware, but then also, if you look at the current situation, you can't go to a restaurant without using your phone because you've got to order everything on your phone. Yeah. So you have to have your phone at the side of you to order your food and that. So yes, we're becoming more aware of it, but the reality is assistance, even to queue to get in a shop, you need a phone to join the queue. Um, so as much as people say, you need to be careful with it. The reality is if you don't have a phone or a device with you, you can't function. Uh, properly in society Um, we're going towards cash using cashless and using your watch and other smart devices to pay Mm. so that means your phone to be with you all the time it's not an option now to I used to leave my phone behind if we went for a meal or something actually that to do that now is uh, inconvenient unless you're with somebody that has a device Um, and of course you just leave it with you it flashes up with something you're going to look at it
0: yeah, it's very compelling, isn't it? That whole flash of, oh, bring you know, bring something up, and there's always that fear of missing out, isn't there? Of, and it and it really takes us away from being present in the moment and and connecting in the moment. Because if you're sat if you're sat in a restaurant with somebody and your phone's constantly flashing, and you, even if even if it's just a split second, it takes you away. It's taking you away from that relationship, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and people have argued, particularly within our business, do you have a work phone and a personal phone? Is is that a way to help you manage your screen time uh, and also your work life balance? Mm. For me, I I struggle to manage one phone. Never, even <laughs> somebody's going to lose out here. Even my family and my friends, because I'm not going to carry the phone or uh, work. <laughs> so. I guess yeah. Some people do have two phones to try and uh, separate that, but then you see people carrying two phones around with them. So actually, mm. working does it work? I'm not
0: really sure. I'm not convinced no. it does. No, I'm not convinced it does. And 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 our lives are much more integrated as well because, as you say, we don't we don't necessarily switch off. We don't start at nine and finish at five. And I think there's some real benefits to that in that. You know, I can go and walk walk the dog for an hour in the middle of the day because I know that, you know, I can carry my phone. If there's something urgent, I can deal with it. But actually, most things can wait an hour, most things, not everything. So, so, so there are some benefits of not working nine to five and being able to go for a run in the middle of the day. Or I sound like I'm doing things all day long, don't I? But <laughs> but it's just it gives us that flexibility, doesn't it? What well, what's the... um. I don't know if there are some studies around or whether you have any knowledge around what's the impact on our mental health of having our lives and our work much more integrated than than having very clear boundaries of it's nine to five work and then it's five to nine the following morning of of home life. Are there any studies? Is that something that's come up in your work?
1: Um, studies wise, I've not seen anything come out uh, recently recently. What we have seen is, uh, I guess, particularly uh, the younger generation, so your um, 16 to 24-year-olds, that for them, particularly if somebody is quite isolated and already got uh, pre-existing mental health difficulties, then actually a mobile phone can give them connection into into the social world so they're engaging with somebody even though it's not face to face, it has helped people to connect and engage with people. So loneliness is reduced, for example, Mm. what we know about loneliness, it can increase risk of depression. Um, So for some people who, or or maybe struggle with social anxiety, actually find it more easier to engage uh, through technology. Mm. Uh, We see that in gaming as well. So um, people generally struggle be in social environments but then perform really well uh, on gaming now the difficulty with that is addiction so they have introduced gaming addiction for example and set up clinics to help people who have got addiction uh, with gaming and I guess it's another way as a coping strategy uh, to cope with emotional distress Mm. Uh, and it's an unhealthy or unhelpful coping strategy, but it serves a function. Um, and people, I'd say, um, like working mums, for example, being able to have that flexibility that they can work uh, maybe when the baby's asleep, or like say after five o'clock, or in the evening or something, that's opened up opportunities for for people who need to work more flexible. Um, so. I sometimes send emails quite late at night and somebody will reply saying, oh, I can't believe you're still working. And my response is, well, I make work work around me.
0: Mm.
1: So yes, I might be working at bizarre hours. But I think as well as society, we've moved away from this mentality that you only work between nine to five. Mm. Because technology has allowed us to work more flexible. So before, I remember when I started uh, my first job as a clinical psychologist, we worked nine to five and in that office there was a culture where well if you finished at five if you've not got enough work or you're not dedicated to your job so you wouldn't know it's home time at five o'clock so everybody's still sat there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i kind of thought oh this is not this is not good so i started to leave at five and ended the culture was shifting to say well actually work smarter not harder yeah and that's what technology has allowed us to do so even at Innovative Minds, we've digitalized a lot of our processes. We've got rid of pen and paper and sending paper application forms and stuff like that. Everything now is
0: because it, it takes less time, and it doesn't mean we're doing stuff. Um, it's more so. efficient. And so again, where, where it where it brings me is back to it's it's not it's not technology per se that creates the disconnection or the connection. It's how we use it and. And how we use it more mindfully and more consciously, so that it's actually benefiting us. Because what I'm hearing is it's it's resolving issues of loneliness and isolation in some cases, but then the the double-edged sword of that is it then creates, um, you know, whether it's addiction or or whatever. So it, it it always comes back to, who do we need to be as human beings to have the discipline to to use it for our own benefit rather than to our detriment. Do you think think that then discipline is something that, and specifically related to technology, do you think that's something that we should be starting to instill in people at a a younger age?
1: Yeah, definitely. We need to teach uh, children and adults because is what's happening is and you see this a lot you'll go to restaurants or um you'll go to you know, friends houses and stuff and whatever and, and children are sat eating dinner for example with the ipad and now it's become the thing where well my children don't eat if i don't have the ipad on uh on youtube kids or whatever it is mm. and that's then actually some of those interpersonal skills that we all grew up with of having to talk to strangers or request items at a restaurant or something children are struggling to do that struggling to those social skills those soft skills that we all employ for no longer exist or very rarely exist so when even i've noticed it when we're employing employ somebody uh quite young in the uh, younger generation the personal skills in terms of greeting people being able to have a general chit chat
0: conversation they struggle with that it's Um, ironic isn't it that that like my my generation had to be taught how to use technology what i'm hearing is that the younger generation are needing to be taught how to be more human yeah exactly (laughs) the irony of that is quite frightening really yeah
1: and that's where people are struggling and that's what we see an increase in social anxiety for example and Children transitioning into school is very difficult. Whereas before, uh, maybe wasn't paying attention to it, but school transition was not made into such a big thing that we needed to support and do. Whereas children now, that those transition points are risk factors for children developing mental health difficulties. Right. Um, So, I think people, children, uh, young people coming into education, uh, into employment, for example. It takes a good few months for them to feel settled into a team like anybody else it does but I feel like they need more nurturing and support and it's that personability side of things that you, you can't teach in the sense that I can't give you a book to be personal and human mm. It's either people pick up on a vibe and people judge people as soon as they see them really and if you come across quite cold or uncomfortable around people automatically somebody's going to shut down and in the nature of the work that we do and probably you do there has to be that connection and that engagement with somebody quite quickly because Mm. they need to feel that they trust you and what
0: you're doing Um, so and that is as you say that's not something you learn from a, a book or or online it's it's um it's a felt experience isn't it it's we we learn how to connect through experience Rather than and and I, you know, I read something a, a few years ago about mothers who are breastfeeding are often now on their phone, and so they're not creating eye contact with the, with a the child while they're breastfeeding because their their attention is on the iPhone because, you, you know, they and so they're they're not teaching from that really early age the power of eye to eye and, and human connection, which is quite quite disturbing really for our future, isn't it? What? Yeah. What, what should we be doing what should we be doing so that we can use technology more consciously because i don't i don't just want to be doom and gloom because i think there's some real there's some real benefits to technology and I, and i know and, and I'll, I'll ask you about this in a moment because i know that you've been using technology to reach more people so so there is there is some real really strong benefits of it but but what should we be doing so that we don't lose that skill of being human
1: Oh, so I think I think for us and for me, what I've noticed it's it's a blended approach. It's technology and face to face. Technology can't replace face to so face. I think people's perceptions of technology is that well, we just eradicate face to face. And generally, it's driven by because it's it's more cost effective. So it makes it cheaper for us as a consumer uh, because we've got rid of that staff salary. But for example. Um, And I also think it's about raising the awareness, children and adults, everybody's guilty of it. It's not just our younger generation. uh, We're the same. Uh, Like you gave the example of uh, parents on phones uh, around children. Um, So I think it is that raising awareness of it um, and get that understanding of the long-term impact it can have and things that you're missing out on. The Difficulty is, is that is that rewarding enough for somebody? Because it's not tangible. So we're talking about it, but I can't show it to you. Mm. Uh, Whereas something else, like people know the risk of alcohol or smoking, for example, because I can show you a set of lungs of what before and after looks like. With technology and screen addiction and all that type of thing, I can't physically show it to you. Mm. Um, It makes it difficult for people to comprehend a concept I guess yeah Uh, and what's difficult about mental health because you can't see it people might talk about their experiences but does it is it enough for people to start changing the way they live so some families I know have like charging stations so at night at a certain time all phones go in a basket or something and all the phones go and charge but they're not in your bedroom Mm. they're not your pillow or people are getting alarm clocks for example so they're not relying on their phone Mm-hmm. For that alarm clock, so people are starting to make small changes, but they're happening as as a family. of That they've they've decided, or oh, you've got somebody in the household that's not really keen on technology um, and starting to use that. But even parents are struggling. I constantly hear um, if parents are trying to put in my um, screen time uh, access over so a certain time and then the phone shuts off, but then saying, "Well, so and so, my friend." they can have their phone and they're up till three o'clock at night why do I have to hand mine in Mm. so there's this as a society it's not consistent in the same message whereas things like we stop smoking don't take drugs uh don't excessively drink alcohol as a society now it's kind of frowned upon people are aware socially aware consciously aware of And now do you step outside for a cigarette? Like, people think, well, why would you be in the cold having a cigarette? Like, can you not wait? That type of thing. Yeah, We're not there with technology. And I wonder if in the future we actually go, we take a step back. I wonder if actually technology becomes less and face-to-face becomes more again because of people needing this connection with people, this physical connection to be with somebody. Yeah. And we've noticed that when we've digitalized our service, still getting people reaching out, wanting to talk to me or to email me, or even though all the information can be found on our website or in the automation process, people still want to connect.
0: There's a, there's a desire for it, and, I, and I'm certainly seeing that at the moment with, with my work, in that quite often, during, obviously during the lockdown, people's only interaction outside of the home, with the exception of perhaps going to the supermarket, has been through technology. And what I found is because my work is with a herd of horses in a field, and not to go into into that, but when people walk through my gate, I'm often the first person they've seen in the last six months outside of the home. And that sense of connection that they feel face to face with me, and then also with my horses, the shifts that are being created as a result of that are profound because people have been starved of that personal connection. And, and I think we think we've had it through technology and we've had it to a point, but not, as you say, not to the same way as face-to-face. So I think it's about, maybe it's just about having the conversations and raising the awareness around it so that we all start to find our own balance with it. Cause it's different for everybody, isn't it? Yeah.
1: And some people, um, so when we introduced technology in our company, I had a group of staff that hate technology they, they just didn't, they didn't like social media. They didn't like Facebook. They didn't like Twitter. They, they just didn't like the process of technology. Mm. It's either, well, come on board. Cause this is where our organisations go in or maybe this, this isn't the right place for you anymore because of their own, uh, values and beliefs about technology and their own experiences Mm. and we've had people I guess from the younger generation that have been like wow this is great that you're moving into technology and this is so forward thinking Um, so there's been a real I guess
0: two two parts two spectrums of it really some hate it some love it yeah. So what's what's been the benefit? I know you've shifted a lot online in the, in the last um, six to eight months with a, the with a pandemic. What are some of the benefits that that's given you? So let's let's be a bit more positive about our technology, because I think there's some great stuff happening as well.
1: Yeah. So for us. So before we introduced technology, I could only probably work with about five schools a year. Uh, and that was very geographically focused. So in the Midlands, maybe in London, if we had a team in London, um, we introduced uh, EduPod, it's our online platform for schools and instantly it made the service for schools more accessible. So now we can service schools nationally or internationally, but it also made it more affordable for schools. So for us, the impact, the social impact of creating more mentally healthy schools massively increased we were already within two months working with, uh, over 40 schools, That's um, and we've got licenses secured for over a hundred schools, for example. So technology has allowed schools to access us and us to access schools. So now it makes it more affordable for schools to access professionals, psychologists, whereas before they never had the resource to financially because mm-hmm. it was too expensive to go in one day a week, natural psychologist. And half the time people won't be available because of teaching or whatever's going on. So for us, it's it's massively increased accessibility uh, and affordability. And then as a result of that, scaling our impact. We recently uh, brought out we support children impacted by domestic abuse, and we had our own program where children were coming to us uh, in Birmingham. And we started this in 2016, but what happened was we couldn't meet demand for service. So by session two, I had a waiting list of 40 kids, oh. and we was doing this based on, if we've got some spare resource, we'll run three groups a year, but naturally siblings, uh, they can't go on the same group. So your waiting list extends massively just by taking on a new family. So what technologies has allowed us to do is to train other people to deliver our program so children can access this nationally So within space of three months, we've trained, uh, we've signed up over 100 people going through from West Midlands Police, the fire service, social workers, early health workers, teachers. So they don't need to be professionals, but they've been able to access our training and access our clinical support because we're doing it digitally. So it makes it more affordable for them. It makes it more deliverable from us in that we're not looking for venues or having to get a certain number of bums on seats to make it valuable to go ahead so again it's helped us massively because it's encouraged people to use technology mm. as a way to access support and
0: training yeah so fantastic so it sounds like you're as a result of that you're reaching you're able to reach so many more people and have so much you know a much bigger impact on the on the mental health Asha, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating to talk to you. I think you're doing some of the most important work on the planet. So I wish you every success with your business.
1: Great. Thank you, Jude.
0: I'm left thinking that it's about choice. How we use technology determines our experience of it. It can be addictive and compelling, and we need to be more conscious about the choices we make in how we use it, as well as more conscious in choosing to step away from technology and seek face-to-face emotional connection. The connection via tech is different from face-to-face emotional connection. How do you ensure that you stay emotionally connected as well as technologically connected? And how can you use technology to improve your mental health? That's it for this week. You've been listening to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech Week. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I hope you've been as inspired by this week's guest as I have. If you'd like to know more about how I help leaders and teams be more human in a world of technology, you may be surprised to discover I do it by working in a field with a herd of horses. Sound crazy? All innovation's crazy in the beginning. So if you like to think outside of the box and get rapid results, you can find out more at www.judejennison.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the exciting technology scene in Birmingham, hop onto the Birmingham Tech website at www.birminghamtechweek.com. Until next time, that's it from me, Jude Jennison, the official podcast partner for Birmingham Tech.